I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right, built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts for cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Cloud Consultants Show, episode number 477. Today's topic is recession readiness for digital consulting agencies. And it's not just for digital consulting agencies, it's for all consulting services business. And you're going to learn three key things. One is contingency plans, and there's a great way that our guest Ryan goes through it. The second is what metrics to follow, and he doesn't overwhelm you. He talks about the top two, and you really need to follow those. And the third thing is cash preservations. We all know cash is king or queen, but what do we do to preserve? And he's got some brilliant ways of doing that. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe. It's for cloud consultants. So anyone that consults and deploys a SaaS platform, you're in the right space. If you're a regular, thanks a lot for listening. And why don't you reach out and let me know that you listen because otherwise I don't know. So Paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com, say hi and also mention some topics you'd love me to cover. You can get a full transcript by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast episode 477 and you can also get a summary on the notes that you're listening to now so if you're driving riding whatever you're doing this will all be there for you before we go in the interview with ryan i'd like to thank our sponsors the first is the cloud consultants collective the world's only revenue focused collective for cloud consultants it's basically your peers answering your hardest business questions faster than you'll find on google or youtube don't believe me? Why don't you try it for yourself? Just go to the cloudconsultantscollective.com to join for free today. The next is Workflow Academy. Are your top performers feeling overwhelmed by their workload? Do you worry about their performance will suffer and at worst, they will leave the company? We have an innovative solution that can help you. We partner with Workflow Academy, provide you with highly trained junior talent who can support your top performers to ensure that the team stays on track and you keep your most important team. You can learn more about this game-changing solution at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash WFA today. Let us help you support your top talent and achieve your business goals. Our guest today is Ryan. He's an experienced operations and finance leader for creative agencies and venture-funded startups. As a partner of Upsourced, he helps scaly agencies build better plans, see the future and drive profits. Prior Upsourced, Ryan led operations and finance for a large influencer marketing agency, called Ahology, where he built the team to 50 people and to 10 million in annual AGI. And they ended up selling it to Quote and Technology in July 2018. Perfect timing to sell Ryan. So what we're going to do now is hand it over to Ryan Watson from upsourcedaccounting.com. Great to have you here, Ryan. Great to be here. Excited. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So 
We had a really good conversation. It's not often that you have someone that has both the compliance of accounting and then uh, the advisory all in, in one firm. And it's not often that people look after agencies. Uh, sure. So, you know, it was like an absolute sweet spot to get you on because even though, you know, if you're watching or listening to us today and you're not an agency, uh, effectively you're a service business, right? So if you're a cloud exactly. consultant, you're a HubSpot agency, it's all one and the same, right? Problems are all the same. Correct, correct. So uh, why don't we kick off with uh, who your ideal client is and what problems you'd love to solve for them? Yeah, that sounds good. This might go in reverse order, but ultimately, again, it's important to say we're, you know, you would call us an accounting firm, right? But ultimately, it's a bit of a misnomer. I think mostly what we're doing is CFO and advisory services, right? We're building operations, accounting operations in order for us to generate the kind of data, financial, non-financial data we can use to make decisions with our clients. And then we're sitting side by side with our clients and we're using that data to make decisions, to see the future and make interpretations, right? So as you mentioned, we work with creative agency service-based businesses somewhere in the 1 million to 10 million in revenue range. And, you know, ultimately they're going to come to us because they're hitting an inflection point and they have a particular problem. But very simply, we like to help our clients see the future and drive profit. Yeah, brilliant. And what are some of the problems that they come to you with? Yeah, and and I'll I'll take what could be a very long answer and I'll try to condense it into a somewhat short answer, but what I would say is it depends based on their life cycle. So we see agencies across a life cycle, right? And so let's talk about a couple of the the, the sort of more common ones. So we have names for them. We call agencies in that like 1 million to 3 million dollar range. We call that build mode. You have a business, but now you're trying to refine it. And I would say we find you somewhere in the spectrum of what we would call the hierarchy of financial needs. What I would say is your problem is you have put this agency on your back. You've put it together with shoestring and bubble gum. You've built it to this thing that should exist in the world, but it might have warts all over it. Like client concentration risk is not profitable. Like I, I, you know, I own my job, not a business, all these sorts of things. So they could be very varied, but you probably have a problem with either solvency, like you, you might not be able to make payroll or project profit or gross profit that you know you're, you're not earning on a on a gross profit basis cash reserves would be the third the fourth being like just operating profit do the owners make any money or the fourth being you're not generating repeatable revenue you don't have a predictable growth so you've got one of those five problems if you are in that range and we see that the other bucket of problems, so the other major inflection point we'll see agencies is who've eclipsed that. They've got a business that's working at that three to four million. And at that point, things start to break like it was working and now it's not working. And, and you have some staff morale challenges and you might lose a client or two. And that's because you've kind of gotten to the point where like you as the owners or partners are no longer able to just kind of bear hug the agency and sort of be involved in all the decisions, right? You're several layers removed. Yeah. And so now you have to empower and incentivize the next level of deputies in your organization to be able to, to make those decisions on your behalf. And that is a painful process to go through. And we help you do that, both through good like reporting tools as well as incentive structures. And so anyways, those are probably the two most common like archetypes and problems that accompany those archetypes. Yeah. And I'm assuming on the second one is around, you know, when, when do we hire? Like, and that balancing that cash flow of when you bring on the people versus when you bring on the work. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, again, that, that is like a universal struggle with every agency. The thing is like, you know, again, as you said, like these are all service-based businesses and, and 
all businesses have like the thing that's hard, right? So if you're, you know, a widget seller, the thing that's very hard is like managing your inventory and managing the cash flow that comes with the inventory. Uh, you, you know, if you if you're like a logistics, it's the operations of the sort of node to node. That's very difficult. In a service-based business, it's like managing the human capital. It's managing capacity management and utilization, right? It's very tricky because if you don't, if you have, you know, utilization is all about how how busy are your people. And if your utilization rate is quite high, well, that's profitable, but it's also very restrictive. It's you, If it's too high, you're unable to sell new work and adapt to it quickly. But if your utilization rate is too low, as in you've got too many people with too much free time, sure, you can react to new deals, but you're not going to make any money. And so it is a very fine line, particularly in a tight labor market, like most of our uh, clients are in, to be able to sort of thread that needle. And that's the challenge, right? So the like, when should I hire? How should I think about this? That's that's the tricky thing. Um, and there's, you know, the solution to that, of course, is many fold, but uh, I, I agree with you that, that, that is a, that is one of the main challenges that that second, you know, that second persona of agency really struggles with. Yeah. Great. And we'll definitely look back to sure. that in our discussions, but you know, let's call the elephant in the room. Like the economy is not going as well as we'd like, no matter where you are and where you're listening to in this world, right? I'm in Melbourne, Australia, but most of my clients are in North America. And if you look at, you know, Australia, Canada, uh, the US, very similar models, right? We've got high inflation. We've got yeah. uh, prices skyrocketing and it's just, you know, tough environments. And look, yeah. there's some sectors that are doing really well and there's some sectors that aren't, right? And I know that, you know, that R word's being used uh, quite a bit that it, you know, it are we in a recession, technical uh-huh. or not? Ultimately, uh-huh. things aren't great. And I know that you, you know, sort of got some, well, the reason that we brought you on, other than you're yeah. a fantastic guy, and and I think, well, those are, yeah, those are all the yeah, primaries. You could, you, know, um, <laughs> you could get some help from Ryan is, you know, well, what do you do yeah. in these tough times, right? It's a, as people say, it's always easy to run a business in good times, it's much harder in tough times. So, Totally. And this is, this is, uh, by the way, it's such a, this is particularly hard because the last two years were like so much easier. I mean, again, especially in, in the U S specifically as there were, you know, several government sponsored programs with free money, right? Running a business with like six figures of free money is a lot easier than the alternative. Yes. And now we're kind of in a, for, in a phase where you said like, you know, it, it's, uh, it's some industries are maybe facing uh, headwinds to a greater degree than others, but there is one commonality, which is like, there's not a business in the world right now that at a minimum isn't going through their PL and evaluating every single source of spend and asking themselves like, am I getting what I expect to be getting? Is this worth it? Is there an ROI here? And that's at a minimum creating some difficult conversations that we all, that, you know, you and me too, Paul, like we, we are not immune from that. We're all living it. We're all living it. So, yeah. So, so obviously we're having these conversations with our client with regard to just, Hey, whether you're feeling it or you're not feeling it, let's get ready. Right. Let's, let's, let's get prepared. And we've got a guide and, and, you know, ultimately like the, what we did is we put together this little questionnaire of like 30 questions that are basically like a risk assessment. So let me answer these questions and see, am I at a greater than average risk in the event of a recession? And if so, what can I do about it? And the guide is really meant to address each risk kind of sequentially and say, all right, this is a risk for you. Here's some ideas. But what I would say is there's like a few themes. And the other thing I'll, I'll also say about this is you're going to read it and, and it should all sound familiar because it's good 
solid evergreen advice, right? None of the things that you should do in a recession are not things that you shouldn't do. They are, it's just now it, at this time, it's, it's more important than ever to follow some of these like common sense things. And yeah. And just before you go through them, Ryan, like listen yeah. to Ryan Watson, episode 477 of the Cloud Consultant Show. If you're listening and you're thinking, how do I get this guide? It's in the show notes, right? So we'll have a link in the show notes. It's called Creative Agency Survival Guide. So it's in the show notes. So you'll get it. So if you're walking, you're riding, you're driving, don't worry about it, right? We've got it. We'll get it to you. Yeah. It's right there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So um, anyhow, relatively comprehensive guide, a few like major themes. You know, one of the themes is, and this permeates the whole thing, of course, which is like the preciousness of cash, right? So there's a handful of things that we talk about with regard to cash. One thing we talk about is to the extent that you're able prioritizing an adequate amount of cash reserves, right? And so in our case, we advocate for three months of operating expenses in cash reserves, particularly heading into you know, headwinds like this. Now, look, that's that's kind of a, a rule of thumb. You might be a business that has a higher degree of, of uncertainty than normal and other factors that might suggest you should hang on to a little bit more than that. And certainly other businesses that have recurring revenue streams and, you know, maybe less. But uh, just quickly on that, I think you, you yeah. did right. The one that I always add a little bit to is your average tax bill. Right, because yeah. um, we, we here in Australia we've got a thing called BAS, which is like VAT that you have to pay every quarter, right? And there's nothing worse when you've just got over your payroll X minute, <laughs> like, and here's the so yeah, I normally put a tax buffer on top of your operating expenses. You're totally, you're totally right. So certainly having adequate cash reserves, we also advocate for having a line of credit. If you don't already have an operating line of credit, it's a thing that we advise all of our clients to get. For what it's worth, we don't advise getting debt and funding an unprofitable business with your debt. That's not what we're suggesting. It's a rainy day. It's it's only really meant to smooth out the peaks and valleys of cash flow endemic to project-based work, right? That's the purpose of the line of credit. And then of course, some other common sense things around cash, which is specific to let's make sure that we are also going through and being very thoughtful about what we're spending money on. And let's not, we, what we really want is flexibility, right? So if we're coming up on any long range or large contractual obligations to spend money, let's consider are there alternatives to that kind of agreement, which would be shorter in duration, more flexible, or maybe, you know, ab- abstaining from that expense altogether. So a lot of discussion around cash specifically. Another piece is really just, and this is more of an operational motion, which is you're going to want to get closer to your clients, especially if you have risk factors like concentration risk, uh, where you're going to want better information faster about how their business is doing. So you can be prepared to react in the event they're facing headwinds that are going to trickle down to your budget. Other factors like whether you've got, you know, you're bringing discretionary dollars from that client or, or necessary dollars. So if you have a discretionary budget, with a high concentration risk, that's, you know, two risk factors stacked on itself. And so again, getting very, very close to that client. And then the third, and this is maybe the most important tangible piece of advice. And this is the thing that we are working on with our clients, which is a contingency plan, right? And so again, you know, many of our clients have not yet felt the effects of the headwinds, but what we're advising is, whether you have or haven't, we're going to build a plan and we're going to build a very specific plan that says in the event A occurs, here's what we are going to do about it. And here's what we're going to do about it is a very specific set of actions. So for instance, like if 
you know, we lose our largest client. That's a bit of a risk. We are going to cut $20,000 of monthly expense. Not specific enough. What I want is here's the individuals or roles that we are no longer able to carry in the event we lose our largest customer. Because the biggest thing about the contingency planning is these decisions are really hard. They're emotionally charged. They're the last thing we want to do as business owners. And you don't want to make those decisions when you're on tilt. Like when you're actually in the throw of having that like really gut-wrenching stress of, oh my gosh, that actually happened. That is the last time that you want to try to make some of the most important decisions. So right now, when you have a clear head and things are not crazy, write down what you know in your gut to be true. Print it out, put it in the desk drawer, file it away. Hope you never pull it back out. But if that event occurs, then the goal is just read it. Don't think about it. Don't react emotionally to it. Your clearer former self decided that these are the steps you should take. So take them. That is what we're advising folks to do. And I think if nothing else, that provides a great deal of sleep at night factor. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you, how it plays out? Do you see, you know, the top of the salary people, they're often the people that go, or is it the, the bottom end, or you see any patterns to who people normally let go? Well, that's a great question. Um, there is some degree of bang for your buck factor <laughs> with regard to higher salary folks. I think the devil is in the details, right? And again, this is why having a really thoughtful contingency planning conversation is so important. Because again, I, I can think of one particular client where we're doing this and that example of our largest client leaving is a real example from that particular scenario, right? So there's a little bit of concentration risk there. There are definite headwinds in that business. And so we've identified that is a scenario that we want to war game out. But in that very specific scenario, we have lost revenue that we no longer need to service or we no longer are in a position to service, right? And so in that particular scenario, the individual, the role-based component of that looks a lot more like the kinds of people performing the kinds of services that that client was buying and now is not buying. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's nice. not it's not generically related to just like, I'm looking for dollars. I'm looking for very specific dollars in that case. So it'll just depend, uh, but sure, like, you know, you should be, very thoughtful about, you know, uh, like a, a $12 an hour person who spends five dollars five hours a week with you is maybe that's not a critical, but ultimately you're picking up pennies in front of a steamroller at that point. So, um, yeah, I'd look yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. And look, I had a client recently that, um, came on, knew we always look through their PL. Like I'm actually, I did accountancy at, at university, never practices accountant, but when I was at Coca-Cola, we were all treated as accountants, right? We had to know our numbers. Yeah. I used to do billion-dollar acquisitions, and so I know my numbers pretty well. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. We, you've got a, at least 50% of your uh, developers' costs of revenue, right? That is just yep. crazy. Yeah. Like, so all of a sudden, that led into the conversations of performance and whatever. I'm like, well, and sadly, you know, no one ever wants to let go of your people. Like they're like family. It's very different to working in a in a company where it's a little bit reserved. This is like really hard. But he had to make a hard decision because he cannot continue to run his business with fifty percent of his his revenue in in development costs. So Yeah. You know, and it's it's crazy how it's not crazy. It's not at all crazy. It makes all the sense in the world why that's such a common problem, but it is such a common problem. And there's so many reasons for it. And and I think, 
I think the thing that's really tricky, uh, you know, uh, recession aside is, you know, we see this a lot, which is um, salary load is one of the very, you know, we try to go very simple with metrics. So salary load, forget about what they're doing, just like salaries divided by revenue. Where are we? Um, And, you know, there's rules of thumb somewhere 45, 50% of the agencies probably the max you'd want to see there. And we see 80s plus sometimes greater than 100, which is (laughs) appalling. But it's not as if in those cases, it's it's we've been derelict and we're asleep at the wheel. It's usually more a case of optimism, right? It's it's yes, I know. I know that. But two things. One, I need these people in order to exist. Right. Like if I, if I let go of my only developer, I no longer can provide development services. What am I supposed to do? Right. And it's okay. I'm going to grow myself into that. And I get that. Like I completely get that. I think the thing that's tricky is it's just entrepreneurs are optimistic by. Uh, DNA. We have to be. You have to. You can't do it. You can't do it as a pessimist. You wouldn't. So you have to be optimistic and, and you have to create systems to rein in your optimism. So in those cases, what we try to do is sit down and say, totally with you. I think selling into this team is the perfect plan. But why don't we do this? Let's create a stage gate for ourselves. Let's say like we're here. We want to get here. I think you can do it. You think you can do it. Let's do it. But also let's check in. Like, who knows? There's also things outside of our control. So if in three months, we're not, you know, we think the trajectory looks like whatever it is. So we're not going to be all the way there. We'll be a quarter of the way there. But if we're not a quarter of the way there, let's admit to ourselves right now that we might not, we're not going to be able to sell into it like we did. So if we don't hit this stage, then we are going to have to pull this lever. Do we agree right now? And so that at least reigns in the optimism. I'm on your side. I don't think we're going to have to do this. You don't think you're going to have to do this, but let's at least agree in the very unlikely case, we're going to do it. Yeah. And, uh, but it's tough. I mean, that's, that is just the DNA of entrepreneurs. And that's what yeah. I love about it. Yeah, correct. And like, and you know, like some of you listening here probably haven't you know, been in the workforce as long as, you know, you and, you and I, Ryan, I know our hair sort yeah. of gives away a few secrets if you're watching us on YouTube. But, um, <laughs> it does. Yeah, like some of us have been through these cycles and some haven't. But you're right. Like, you know, I always say to owners that, okay, we're going to grow the business. So let's have target revenues when we're going to bring on roles, right? Because yeah. you can't do everything. Like you said, it's that sort of, you know, the, yep. moving it across into your team, which is the second phase we spoke about. Uh, yep. The flip, you're talking about the flip side, which I think is also very pertinent in, in a time when you know that there's risk associated with economy. And like you said, it, it's often not things that you do. It's what happens to your clients and then there's a knock on mm-hmm. effect, right? And if your clients happen to be in the wrong segments or, you know, if you look sadly travel, right? I know so many agencies that, you know, were, you know, heavily into yeah. travel through COVID. Oh, yeah. and, you know, no one, no one could predict that. No one could control it, right? So um, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, I think it's 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 really good, and and I think you know the worst thing is where you're paying everyone else and not paying yourself, right? And you know, as an owner, you've probably been in those situations. You might be in that situation now, and it's just not fair on you. But more importantly, it's not fair on your family, right? The reason that mm-hmm. we run these businesses is to support our family, and we're basically cheating our families, and that's not something anyone wants to do. So um. So look, great yeah. discussion around contingencies. How you sort of talked about, you know, one of the metrics was around you know, salary loads, total salary yeah. divided by revenue. But what other information do we need to make the right decisions at the right time? Well, again, I, and I'll make this relatively, uh, I'll try to get this brief, but we, we have, so I'm, I have a, um, a point of view on metrics, which is like, you know, you, you can read all sorts of articles. It's like, here's 20 financial metrics for digital agencies or, or, or HubSpot agencies or whatever it is. And 
I would look at those and say, yep, I agree. That is, those are 20 KPIs. Should you look at all of them right now? The answer is almost definitely not, right? I firmly believe in simplicity. And I think for any given agency, there's probably just like one or two that you should be focused on and just forget about the other stuff right now. Cause I'm a big believer in building momentum. And so I look at financial metrics in a hierarchy of needs, right? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We start at the bottom and we work our way to the top and we do not skip steps. So we cannot worry about self-actualization if we do not have shelter. And so that hierarchy of needs is, you know, again, like we look at solvency, can I make payroll? And there are metrics around the solvency generally like cash divided by, you know, current liabilities or my, or my, uh, monthly burn. So if I'm not solvent, then I'm not going to worry about profit. Of course, I'm not profitable. I don't need to continue to remind myself I'm not profitable. I just need to make payroll. Yeah. So once I've cleared the solvency hurdle, then I'm looking at project profit, right? Am I earning a gross margin of 50 or more, ideally 55, 60%? If I'm not, forget about everything else. And of course, there's also, so that's where a lot of agencies who come to us in that build mode are stop, they fail. That's where we start to help them. And ultimately, that's either a function of a utilization problem. I've got people that I'm paying that to do work that are not doing work, or it's a rate per hour problem. People are utilized, but I'm not earning an adequate rate on them. And there's all sorts of reasons for that, right? So project profit, and we're going to start there and we're going to build momentum there. And then we'll get to the next one, which of course is cash reserves. We like to look at cash reserves as a function of, of uh, runway. How many months of operating expenses? Can we clear that or not? And from there, now we can worry about firm profit, right? Because ultimately, if you're not profitable on a gross margin basis, you're not going to be profitable on a firm basis. So forget about it, right? So once we've cleared that hurdle, then yeah, we're, we're going to work on operating profit. We're going to target 20% or better. And then finally, the sort of capstone to this is repeatable revenue generation. Do I have a predictable growth rate that is a function of my growth engine? And there's all sorts of like CAC to LTV and other metrics that we might look at there. So it's very contextual based on where you are. And again, I'm a big believer, especially for agencies that are struggling with one of those. There's nothing more demotivating than continuing to beat yourself in the face every month with like, my profit margin is negative or 2% or whatever it is. Like, I don't need to keep telling you that. That is not, that makes you feel bad. Let's just focus on like the one thing. Let's build really small wins. Let's feel good. And then when we clear that, now we can worry about the next thing, right? But it's, it's reversing negative momentum is very hard. And that's the whole game. So anyways, yeah, hopefully so, that answers so, your question, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So around the, I totally agree with project profitability, right? So yeah. have you got some examples of how people have turned that around? Like how your clients have turned around that project? One, yeah. Yeah, one that comes to mind is actually a relatively recent HubSpot agency actually who came to us. And, you know, the classic story, I kind of told the archetype, they fit it perfectly of like here, you know, we've crossed the seven figure mark maybe the year prior. And so like we did it, right? This thing exists, it should exist. Uh, we, we coasted it on fumes, but we made it. And now we're trying to build what is a sustainable, profitable business. And the business wasn't profitable. And so we went through the hierarchy of needs and we did not have a solvency problem, but we did have a project profit problem, right? And so then we asked this owner, we asked her, okay, so like, we'll just look at some of your individual process. Like which ones are making money, which ones aren't, right? And she's like, oh, this is easy. Here's here's my top five projects. She quoted me like highest revenue. These are our best clients. I'm like, hey, great. But I I understand these are strong revenue projects. I'm, I'm looking for which ones are the most profitable projects, right? And this, she didn't have any idea, right? Got a lot of salary people working across lots of different projects, but 
couldn't tell you which one was making money and which wasn't. So one key action was like, well, we got to implement some time tracking here. Like we need some data to help us answer this particular question, right? <laughs> time tracking, you know, key diagnostic in, in this particular issue. So anyways, we go around, we, we implement some time tracking and we do this for a lot of clients and we helped her do it. We sold it into the, to the team and we're very clear about why and, and the benefit to them and all those sorts of things. And so anyways, we go, we, we go away, we come back, let's say six weeks later, whatever the time frame was. And now we've got some data, like we can look at what's happening. Right. And so, as I mentioned before, like if you've got a gross margin problem, then you have either a utilization problem or you have a rate per hour problem. In her case, didn't have a utilization problem, right? We had, I don't know, utilization close to 70% as a firm. We target like 65 to 70%. That's fine. That felt healthy. So it wasn't that. So then we were looking at like, what's the rate per hour of this business? You know, revenue divided by these billable hours that we're, we're tracking. And that was where the problem was, right? And that was abysmal. And the thing that was surprising to her was when we're quoting these, these engagements, right? She's quoting these retainer work. You know, we quote what we think is going to be profitable. We have some expectation of how much work it's going to be and think we're going to make money. But of course, Scope was being blown all over the place, right? And classic story, we all see it. Scope's all over the place and we just don't have a feedback loop for us to identify, oh, we went over scope. We need to have a conversation with our client. We need to either adjust or raise the rate or whatever it is. And so, you know, that like 80% of it was just identifying for this owner that we had the problem. The solutions are varied, but she had uh, some pretty good relationships and, and was able to, in some cases, rein in so- scope, in other cases, raise the rate. And now this agency is turning like, uh, I don't know, it's like 52% gross margin. And it's like, great, wonderful. And so, um, yeah, like it's not hard. It's not hard, but it does take looking at the right thing at the right time. Correct. And, and I think, you know, we used to talk about, and I know it's not a great way of saying it in today's time, but we used to talk about normal time and wartime, right? And like, at oh, yeah. Tyler, we'd have wartime, which is like, you have to make big, hard decisions yeah. in these times, right? And if you're in the situation where your cash flows tight, you know, you're not paying yourself what you should be. You've got to make these tough decisions. And, you know, often we've worked with clients where we've gone and said, you know, like, these projects, you've got to either go and increase the rate or you've got to lose, lose the business, right? Because it is just totally. draining you. And, uh, they're, they're, not, they're not easy decisions, but they're decisions that, that need to be made. And if I just sort of ask a quick question around this, right? Yeah. Because people yeah. probably, you're listening to Ryan and you're thinking, God, like my accountant doesn't do any of this, right? Like I need a Ryan in, in my business, right? You constantly or you often have clients that leave accountants and come to you, right? But for most of us, it's like the worst thing in the world. Oh my God, I've got to leave my accountant. It's going to be an yes. absolute nightmare. Tell us that it's, you know, like I said, you've been through it a lot of times. Yeah. 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 How, how painful is it really to change accountants? Hey, look, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not painful at all. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think if nothing, it's, um, gosh, I don't know. It's like a lot of things, right? Like we build it up in our mind and it's very, and there's personal relationships and that's probably the worst part of that. Like, oh my gosh, I've got, I've had this person and we've, we've, we have history and there's some loyalty and look in many cases, by the way, like there's a reason that they're talking or considering working with us because they've hit an inflection point yes. and they're looking for di- things that are different than their accountants providing. And almost always both sides are feeling the friction. The other, the existing account is like, this isn't really what you're asking me to do things that I don't really prefer to do. And I don't work this way. And now I'm feeling bad and you're feeling bad. And so generally when they have the conversation, everybody is like, oh, okay, this is way easier than it is. And then in terms of like actually getting up and going, 
it's just project management 101, right? Like, so we have, we have a really regimented process where we can pull you through a course of 45 days. And um, I'm not going to go into our whole process, but the, the, the short of it is um, you build it up in your mind more than it is, more than it becomes. Yes. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Look, I just recently changed accounts. It was the same thing, right? And, yeah. you know, and the other thing is your account's got lots of clients if they're running a good business as well, right? So they're not only totally. relying upon you. So if you're not getting what you want, please go and make a change. It, um, yeah. And also a fresh set of eyes over, over, and especially if you're getting someone that's an industry expert, it makes a massive difference versus having someone that's a generalist that you might have n- not even been in the industry when you first started. You're not, you're no longer in that industry, right? But you've kept the account. And I think um, specialization totally. is really important. So we, we're here talking to Ryan Watson, uh, 477 from upsourcedaccounting.com. So we've talked about recession readiness, right? So we've talked about contingency plans. We've talked about what information and what metrics you should cover. So, you know, we've talked about cash a lot, right? And, yeah. you know, it is the lifeline. Well, they say cash is king or or cash is queen. Now, uh-huh. what, what are some Maybe tips so. you've got around uh, preservation of some cash? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, again, I think there's basically two sides to this coin. One side is I have cash, I need to keep it. The other side of the coin is I need to get as much of it as I can, right? So yes. with regard to I have cash, let me keep it. Again, I think some of the things I said earlier are still valid, which is, you know, we want to go through like some general hygiene, which is like, let's go through the PL and let's look at the kinds of things we're paying on. If we can get, if we can negotiate for more flexible, because again, I, I think some one of the themes for what we're doing right now is just flexibility. Like, so it's not just a cost cutting exercise. It's a flexibility increasing exercise, right? So if I'm finding myself in these like long contractually uh, obligated agreements, I'm looking for ways to add the ability to cancel in 10 days or 15 days notice, right? So that's where I'm looking. I think with regard to, you know, I also mentioned like having some backstops, like a line of credit, or even like, uh, you know, if you have personal wealth, if you've got folks around the table that have some personal wealth, like lining up some of those conversations, again, just as backstops, I think those are really important. I think the other, there's there's several things that you can do on the sort of like cash collection side. I think, you know, for instance, so I ran an agency before sitting in my seat here as, um, as partnered upsourced. And when I started, our cash collection cycle was like 120 days or something like that. We worked with large enterprises. It was, it was and it was just kind of one of those things we assumed like, eh, it's just what it is. What are we going to do about it? And I'll tell you, we went from like 120 days to like 47 days in the first six months. And most of it was just like having conversations and a little bit of negotiation. So you'd be surprised at like how little you would need to offer in the way of incentives to expedite your cash collections on existing invoices or to change your invoicing schedules to move them up. Sometimes it's just asking. And other times the, the trick here is it's all about psychology. So it's not like you need to, it's not, I need to pay you a market rate for you to do this thing for me. It's really just like create the psychology that on their side, they're like, oh, I'm really going to pay more just for this thing. I don't care about fine. Okay, here you go. And so it, you would be surprised at how much success you can have incentivizing early collections. Like, you know, we worked with a large, I won't say their name, but a large multi, one of the largest CPGs in the world. And they're, again, their stated uh, was 120 days of payment and they paid us in 15. And so anyways, this can be done. Yes. And that's where I would focus now. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And the other one, which you know, I often tell my clients is that I'm like, how do you spread your payments out? There might be you know, fifty, twenty, ten, or you know, whatever it is, right? And I'm like, um, you know, are you doing it on time? Are you doing it on 
project completion. And they're like, always say completion. I'm like, no, do it on time, yeah, right? Because totally. your end client is always going to have issues in their business where they, not you, but they have caused the fact that the project isn't on time, right? So, so do not. Do not do no it way. based on um, completion. Do it on time. And that can make a massive difference. And like you said, change the variables too. Like some people are like, you know, they're only 20% up front. It's like, well, why not be 50? So there's, there it is ways time. within your control to get more cash in these tougher times. And uh, I think that's, that's brilliant. And also, I think the um, renegotiation is a great point, right? Like all of your suppliers, just go and renegotiate. Who, Go through your top suppliers from your P&L, yep. who you're spending money on the most, and then go and look at renegotiating terms. You probably haven't done totally. it for a long time. You know, it's like um, when I work for Coca-Cola, you know, like we didn't just hand out discounts every year, right? But if someone came right. and asked for one and it was justified, we'd normally say yes. And it's like a bank, right? If you call your bank up, nine out of 10 times, you're going to get a better rate. Or if you call your mobile or cell carrier or whatever, you're going to get better rates if you say you're going to leave, but you just haven't done it, right? So they work yeah, on and the squeaky wheel, right, is the principle. Totally. And they're all feeling the same thing you are. They're all worried about losing you too. So okay. they are in a, they are much more open to negotiating with you than they might have been two years ago. So ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. look we've, we've had some brilliant conversations around the re- recession readiness there's contingency planning, there's the information we've covered and the key metrics, and then also cash preservations. Now, there'll be yeah. a full transcript in the show notes, so you can get it. There'll also be a link. So there'll be a link to the Creative Agency Survival Guide. So that's on the website now. So it'll be in the link, but it's on the website as well, which is upsourcedaccounting.com. But what we're going to do now is go into the rapid fire. So Ryan, I'm going to ask fire. you four questions and you're going to give me some rapid responses. Ready for that? Quick, I'm ready. Great. So the first one is, what are some daily habits you do to help you scale your business? So I recently adopted the GTD method, the getting things done. And I I used to be this person who would just like wake up every day and think, what should I do today? Oh, I guess I'll do that. And I'm embarrassed to say it out loud, but I have like taken control of my life and I am more organized and more productive than I've ever been. And that has... uh, I don't know. It's been life-changing. So that's I use a tool called Things to Organize. It's been awesome. Yep, brilliant. Next is, uh, where do you find out more information about how to scale your business? Yeah, I mean, just others. Like I'm in a, I guess you might call it, it's a community. Maybe some people call it a mastermind or whatever. I just look to people who have done it before. Like, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel. There's a playbook out there. And so I find smart people who are further than me. Yep, great. And if you go look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that. Do not reinvent the wheel, right? We've uh, we've got your back. (laughs) We've already made the decisions. Um, Yep, yep. Yep. Third one is if we could grant you one wish. Right, one wish for upsourcedaccounting.com, what would it be? This is this might sound like a silly wish, but I wish that everybody who currently works for us would continue to work with us forever. Like I always say, like, I want this to be a place that all these people retire. And I genuinely want. So if I could wave a magic wand, everybody would that is we just have such a phenomenal team. I want everybody to stay here forever. Brilliant. And the last one is what do you know now with running this practice that you wish you had have known earlier? Yeah, I think that I would say it's that um, success or failure, especially in a service business, is like 98% perseverance and like 2% everything else. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And thankfully, I've been blessed with a lot of tenacity, so that always helps uh, helps in life. <laughs> so look, um, brilliant right. having you on, Ryan. I'll do the outro in a moment where I can you know talk more cool. about where you can find Ryan, et cetera. But uh, look, great points around uh, recession proof. And look, it's there, right? Whether you want to address it or not, you're going to get some tightness in your profit and loss. You're going to get some tightness in your balance sheet. 
be prepared, like have those contingency plans in place. So uh, Brian's been brilliant having you on today. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. What a great interview with Ryan and some really practical tips, right? And you don't have to do it alone. I think that's the main thing. And if you're not getting the help that you really need out of your accountant at the moment, well, I think, you know, go and have a chat to Ryan. He's a great guy, as you saw or heard on the podcast. And uh, yeah, believe me, he backs that up when you talk to him one-on-one. So also, if you've learned something really valuable, why not share it on LinkedIn? So just take a screenshot of the podcast and share it and um yeah at mention ryan uh he would love that and also i wanted to share it with some peers right some people that you know that need some help they might be in you know in trouble they might cash might be tight for them and need some really good tips why don't you share this with them they'll think you're an absolute rock star check out our solo shows if you're scaling your cloud consulting business and want to know a blueprint for success that's proven track record that you can follow, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint to get your free copy today. And as always, please take action to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life more. Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. It is now time for action. Head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Get the links and put it into action. Head to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life.